and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. I were to go back in time and I were to talk to my younger self 20 years ago when I was just graduating with my speech pathology degree, I would say, I want to give you the best advice possible. This is going to be advice that is going to change your life. That's going to change the lives of every child you work with. You need to adhere to this for the next 20 years and you need to follow this advice because it is going to make you an agent of change. This is what is going to give you the power to change children's lives. That advice would easily be research your practice. So researching your practice is the best thing you can do if you want to make a difference with the kiddos you work with, because that's going to give these children a voice and they're going to be able to tell you through their behavior what works and what doesn't work. And over the years, when you hone your craft, you're going to get rid of what doesn't work and you're going to take what does work. And you're going to, from a cumulative effect, you're going to have more and more and more of what works. And your intervention is going to become more and more powerful. I compare this to weight loss, which I think a lot of us can reflect on or have had experience with. I know for myself, I've struggled with it. And when it comes to weight loss, it's more than just exercise. It's exercise, it's diet, it's hormones, it's sleep, it's family history, it's your own history of weight loss and gain. It's also how much muscle you have it's complex, lots of components involved. And if one component is off, it's going to affect the overall outcome. So an example of that is myself after COVID, I put on some COVID pounds and I went to a naturopath for a diet and she gave me this super clean diet where it's like, you're allowed to have a teaspoon of olive oil on your salad that has grilled chicken strips on it, you know, very, very, very clean and vegetables. But you're also to consume three protein shakes a day. 
So I followed her recipe to a T for a month, whatever she said to do, all the supplements she gave me, all the diet she gave me to a T, I followed it, the protein shakes, the three protein shakes a day. And I ended up gaining weight instead of losing weight. And it wasn't muscles, I was just gaining weight, right? And then what I did, so I was like, okay, I think it's the protein shakes. I'm going to look at one variable, and that is the protein shakes. And I'm going to cut the protein shakes out because they're about 200 calories a piece. There's about eight grams of carbs in a piece of those that it's 24 grams of carbs to the day. Let's cut these protein shakes out and see what happens. So the next month, I lost about 15 pounds by cutting out the protein shakes. That's the way we need to look at intervention, not as you take this whole intervention plan and you just adopt it and blindly use it and say, okay, this is evidence-based, let's just do it, because there's no such thing as a perfect intervention plan, just like the case with the naturopath's diet recommendations. Taking out that one component made the diet completely different in terms of its efficacy than having that component in. It's just one variable, but the details really matter. So when we're talking about intervention research, we really want to research the details because that will determine whether it's effective or not. And what we wanna do is we wanna keep the details that are effective and get rid of the intervention approaches that aren't effective. So in the Bhagavad Gita, which is kind of the yoga diary, they have this beautiful quote, which said, live life like a swan, swallow the milk and you spit out the dirt. That's how you want to approach intervention. You're always swallowing the milk. What nourishes the child? What are the active ingredients that create change? And you're also going to want to spit out the dirt. What ingredients are ineffectual? just don't work at all, or what are counterproductive, such as the protein shakes that are actually having the opposite effect, and get rid of the ineffectual ingredients. And you're only going to know what's effective and what's ineffective by researching them one by one. So that's what I'm going to share with you today. It's called A-B split testing, in which we're going to keep everything the same except for one single variable. And when we do that, we're gonna be able to know this is effective or this is not effective because we kept everything else the same. So I am a dinosaur when I mentioned this, but I'm going to go to the Prego Ragu. And if you remember this too from the 80s, the Prego Ragu advertisement, they would pour Prego and Ragu on two slotted spoons on the same pan at the same time time. And they'd say, see the difference. That is split A-B testing. You keep everything the same. And the only difference was you see more meat in chunks or meat. I'm not sure if it's meat, chunks of stuff in the pregu on the slotted spoon. And the ragu goes right through the sp slotted spoon. This is excellent way to test your intervention and to find out what works and what doesn't work and the active ingredients, you're going to keep them and the other ones, you're going to throw them in the trash, the ones that are not effective. So it's always a process of being that swan and you're going to swallow the nutrients and you're going to spit out the dirt in all of the interventions that you test. And as a result, at the end, you're going to have this cumulative effect. 
in which you only have the active ingredients and you combine only the active ingredients, and then you're going to get great gains. This is what I encourage you to do as a speech pathologist. Don't blindly follow a canned approach. Instead, be eclectic and take the best from every approach and combine them for your students. So let's talk about how we're gonna do this in research. We wanna keep everything the same. So the first question is, how are we gonna do our baseline testing? We're going to use the same test for both variables. So the test we had in the Ragu and, and Prago was the slotted spoon. What's going to be our slotted spoon? So maybe we use a standardized test and we also use naturalistic measures. So if it's a speech sound disorder, we could use the standardized single word test and we could also use percent consonant correct percent consonant correct or percent consonant correct revised, whichever one you prefer. So you're going to use those for baseline and for post-test because you want to keep everything the same. The measurement needs to be the same. We're going to use the same slotted spoon, okay? The second thing we want to do is we want to keep the children the same that we're going to assess. So if we're going to do random assignment, we're going to want to do it of a group that's similar to one another. So we might have a group of children that have articulation impairment, and we're going to randomly assign them either to one treatment target, and I'm going to be presenting this research at ASHA next month, so I'm going to share this, a two-element cluster, or we're going to assign them to the other treatment target, a three-element cluster. So here's my prego and my goo. Let's pretend it's two element cluster, this is three element cluster. I'm gonna keep everything else the same, but in one area, I'm gonna have the child, for instance, say, can you splash it to me? And the other one, I'm gonna have them say maybe, can you slash it to me, please? So I have SP versus SL, and I'm going to keep everything else the same in perfect research. And that's the only way I'm gonna be able to determine it was in fact the target. So I'm going to keep the two groups the same through random assignment. I could just take a cup of popsicle sticks and I could go, you go in SPL, you go in SL. All of the children in the group need to work on their SL blends, SL blends, those clusters. So who is going to get greater benefit, the SPL or the SL? Well, as you may have guessed, the three element cluster in my research reaped way better gains, almost double the gains across every measure that we looked at. So that was one study I did and I kept everything the same. So next we can look at how else can we keep things the same? This is known as an N of one study in which you use the same child and you put different conditions on the same child. So the same child is going to have ragu and the same child is going to have prego. They're going to have different variables on the same child. So here we're always controlling for order effect, but it becomes really important to control for the order effect, which one is the child gonna experience first, because that will impact their outcomes. So in this test, and I'm also going to be presenting this at ASHA, if you see me at ASHA, I gave the child three different expressive language tests. They all measure something slightly different. The first expressive language test I gave them, let's use that as the Veratoli pasta sauce. I gave one child this test, the Spelt Preschool for Expressive Language. The second standardized test I gave them was the Expressive Vocabulary 3 test. 
which is test vocabulary. The third test that I gave them was the expressive PLS, preschool language scale five tests. So I gave these three tests to the same child. I gave them each to a group of, I think it was 18 children. And they each got the three tests. Now I made sure to change up the order of the test to control for order effects. So maybe the child does better on the third test, but that's because they've become really good at taking tests. This is the third test in a two week period or because of maturation, or maybe the child does poorly in the third test because of exhaustion from the test experience. So the order of the testing and how it's administered really matters. I made sure to balance the order. This child's gonna get the PLS first, and then this child's gonna get the EBT3 first, and this child here is going to get the spelt P first. I always made sure to balance the order because that's very important. So they're all balanced. So what's neat about the N of one test, it's even better than identical twin tests because it's the same child that's had the same experiences. So it's not only the same genes, but the same experiences. So these are really powerful tests too. What's changing? just the variable. In this case, the variable is the test that I'm giving the child. And of course, to control for maturation, I complete the testing within a two-week period so that they're not going to be at a different age when they're given the test. So everything we got to keep the same, just keep that in mind. And then we can determine it is exactly the variable that is creating the difference or lack of difference. So those are the two that I'm presenting at ASHA this year. After I get my data, I put them into a Google Sheet and I analyze my data and I look to see, is there statistical significance? This is very easy to do and I walk through it in my book in chapter 10, which is researching your practice to hone your craft. So I show you how to use Google Sheets, which is free, and how to test for a t-test and to see if there is statistical validity. So that what the question behind the statistical validity is this, is it going to be greater than chance that there is in fact a difference that's going to apply to the general population? This just isn't this group of children. So we're going to go and test for that as well and see if this is just chance or if this really does likely apply to the general population. So that is how we walk through all of the steps. And I encourage you to do this in your own practice. I know that for myself, what I want to research next is the difference between SN blends and SM blends, if there is a difference for children on the autism. Now that is because I found that children with autism tend to have a lot of difficulty with labial sounds. And the M, SM is a very complex sound because it is the M is not only a nasal, but it's also a sonorant sound, which makes it a more complex cluster. So it's very interesting to me, and I haven't researched this area. Now, knowing that SM is more difficult than SN could be interesting because our research in children with childhood apraxia of speech shows that the more challenging sound, the sound that they're not stimulable for, is going to produce greater gains. Now, from my experience, the M is much more challenging than the N for children with autism spectrum disorder. Is that going to produce greater gains as it had with children of childhood apraxia of speech? Or is it simply going to be 
too difficult of a target for them, considering the inherent motor difficulties, proprioception difficulties that make labials especially difficult. So I'm not sure about this. This is, this is something that I need to research and it's going to make me a better therapist if I do find that Kelly, working on SM, for instance, is really giving you better gains than working on SN for the children with autism. Or maybe I find, Kelly, SM is just too hard for children with autism. They're not stimulable for that. And that's because there's a big motor proprioception component underlying that and motor coordination component that makes SM just too difficult of a target to start off with. And that's something that you're going to have to use at a later generalization phase. I have no idea what the results are but the results could really impact the way we treat children with autism and it could really impact what kind of gains they make in my therapy. So I could blindly just pull out a blend or I can research my practice and I can get rid of what's ineffectual and do more of what's effectual and in doing so create lifelong change for these kiddos. So we talked a lot about research and researching your practice. I just wanted to end on this note. When it comes to research, simpler is better. What I showed you today is not multivariate research in which you're looking at many variables and the contributions of all of these variables and complex equations. That is not what we're looking at. When you're doing that kind of research, the findings are diluted and they're not as reliable because the data has been processed. So when you do this kind of research and you keep everything the same and you only look at the two variables and the two variables and the only variables different, it's like picking green beans from your garden. You're getting non-processed information to work with. And it's not only that, it's from your environment. These children are the children that you service that live this lifestyle, that have this experience that is unique to you being the therapist in your environment. And that means that the data you get from this information is much more valid than data from the other side of the world or from another place where a child has a very different schooling, a very different home environment, perhaps a very different demographic. So when you research your own practice, you are getting the closest thing to truth in what's going to apply to your caseload, to the kiddos you so this is the organic information that is going to be the most nutritious for you to ingest when it comes to making decisions about what you should do in your practice. This is like getting the vegetables from your garden instead of getting the vegetables from a can or instead of getting the vegetables from a truck from another area of the country. So this is really good stuff. I want you to take all of this information roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place. You're first. <laughs>